When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Here's your host, Todd McKim. Welcome to this week's Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. A big show as we enter March Madness and also talk about men's swimming and diving. They've got the NCAA championships next week back in Minneapolis. Dave Durden will stop by. We'll chat about the meet coming up and the Pac-12 championship for the men. And we'll also hear from Jack Clark as well, coming up a good weekend, homecoming weekend against UCLA and Army, as they have their sights set on yet another championship or two before the spring comes to an end. But leading off today, women's basketball coach Lindsey Gottlieb, as the Bears secured their second consecutive and sixth of the last seven years NCAA tournament bid, the seventh seed in the Albany Regional. The Bears will open up Friday at the 2 o'clock Pacific time on ESPN2 against a familiar coaching staff, if not a familiar foe, as the Bears will face Virginia back in Columbia, South Carolina. And the head coach of the women's team in Virginia is none other than Joanne Boyle and Lindsey Gottlieb joining us now, the head coach of the Bears. Obviously, uh, Joanne had you on her staff. You replaced Joanne when she went back to Virginia. So I don't know that there'll be a whole lot of secrets going on between the two teams when it comes to preparation for this one. 
You know, um, I don't know. It's been a long time since Joanne and I worked together, so I'm I, I'm not sure if she's doing the exact same things in practice or if, if I've changed at all. But but certainly there'll be a you know a lot of genuine affection and and and, and good hugs and stuff um, you know out, outside the lines and um, just really proud of her for um, having such a great year and making the tournament. It's it's always hard to play a friend because someone isn't going to win. Um, but other than that piece of it, really excited to see her and um, and get to spend a little time together. And the former women's uh, basketball sports information director, Melissa Dudak, I think, has the same responsibilities to Virginia now with Joanne. And Sarah, right. who's the director of ops, is, is the director of ops for Virginia as well. So it's not just Joanne and yourself that really right. intertwine this thing. Oh, totally. I mean, you know, you think about, um, you know, the, 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 our fans, you know, yesterday at our selection party were saying, is Sarah Holsinger still with Joanne? And, you know, tell her hello. I mean, that's that's women's basketball for you, right? People have real connections with people. And we were joking about, you know, Melissa Dudek um, being here um, prior as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of familiar faces. And, um, you know, the, the, the I know that the media will will attempt to make this the biggest story. And I, and I would like to keep um, the focus on our on our players in the game. And at the same time, I'm I'm really not hesitant to say, uh, you know the the amount of impact Joanne has had on my life and my career. I would not be the head coach at at Cal if it wasn't for Joanne Boyle. So um, it's really cool. You can't understate that at all. Um, and then when the game starts, it's about you know these players and and her players. But um, the relationship that we have and is is significant. And, and there's no question. You know, it's not lost on me that um, the resurgence of Cal basketball was started by Joanne. And 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 I've just been able to kind of you know run with that since since she made the move back east. You know, the NCAA tournament committee would say that uh, they don't have any hidden agendas when these matchups are revealed. But sometimes I wonder, uh, both the men's and the women's, that, you know, there's a little bit here, a little bit there that, that just kind of spices up, uh, you know, certainly the first round matchups. Uh, you, you see it over the years. They say they deny it. But, I mean, this would be a situation where, eh, well, former coach playing against her former team, former assistant coach, eh. Let's spice thing up a little, let's spice this thing up a little bit. Yeah, I think ESPN is interested in ratings and, and whatever will drop people <laughs> in, no no question about it. So um I I think the committee has a they have a lot of work to do, um and they take it very seriously. But maybe they have a little sense of irony or or something in there uh, at some level when it when it gets to placing the teams. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt that, even though they deny it. Hey, let's talk first of all, let's talk about your team, where they're at, and then I want to talk about you know the Pac twelve for getting six teams in again, a great representation for the league, but um, your team has won five of the last six games, came on strong at the end, uh, won the final two games at home, went to the Pac-12 tournament, got a win in the first round, very easily could have won the quarterfinal matchup with UCLA. Uh, Christine uh, filed out um, on the ball game late. Um, how about that, Carl That's all I'm going to say yeah. about that, but how about that yeah, one? That's about, <laughs> that's, that's about all, all I'm going to say as well. I'm just going to say <laughs> he ended up with five fouls officially. Um, yeah. But your team is playing well. And then when, when I look at the history of Pac-12 the last couple of years, you've got this, you've got this long bye between you know, the Pac-12 tournament and the start of the NCAA tournament. But it hasn't hurt the Pac-12 in the NCAA. I think the Pac-12 is like 12-0 and in the last couple of years in first-round games. So tell us what you do to try to um, get healthy, get through you know, the midterms, and yet get your team prepared for an unknown opponent until you know, today. Yeah, you know... Women's basketball, most of the Power Fives have moved their conference tournament the week before the men's. Um, you know, I don't know the reasoning in every conference. I know in ours it was about TV. Um, and to get every game on TV, you didn't want to be up against the men. Um, and so that's what most teams have done. And so 
the tournament is still at the same time, so it gives you that that week in between, and it's a little strange, um, but I think we've all become a t- accustomed to it. So uh, definitely gives a chance to to get some rest and and some refreshing, you know, of your mind. Uh, that the season is long and it's a grind, and um, to be able to kind of take a couple days off and and really just sort of get reinvigorated, I think is important. It was a little easier even to do that this year because we knew we were going to be in the tournament. Um, Last year it was really weird. You know, didn't know are we yeah. are we are, should we should I be up playing the tournament? Should I be saying you know it could be an IT? But this year, you know, we knew we were going to get rested and refreshed a little bit, and then it gives you a couple of days to work on work on yourselves because there isn't an opponent. Um, and we're always the type of program where you know before we start playing, we want to have you know packages of things available. You know, this is how we play ball screens this way or that way. You know, this is how we play. Um, you know, defense, and, and, and so that then whoever the opponent is, we feel good about what we're doing. So we spent a couple of days, I called them, you know, man-to-man days, and a couple of days zone days where we worked against the zone, and we worked playing some zone, a couple of days where we were working against man-to-man and playing some man-to-man. We worked in some shooting games. We worked in a lot of individual work, some stretching. So we went two days on, or first we gave them three days off after after the, the UCLA game and the tournament. Then we went two days on and a day um, off, and we went two days on and, and then two days off. So I think they got... A little bit of everything. I wanted them to, to, to feel sharp, like we still had a ball in our hands and we're in good shape, and I want them to feel refreshed. In the meantime, it was a great week to catch up on schoolwork, to get ahead in, on schoolwork because we knew we'd be traveling. Um, and uh, I, I think we took advantage of the week, and then as coaches, we went out recruiting um, as well. Yeah, full plate, your job never ends in that regard. No. Um, also, gives you, you know, as you mentioned, some rest, clear the, the, the head, so to speak. And now you you know last night you figure out your game plan a little bit. You're continuing to do it today. I'm sure you even continued on the on the plane ride to some extent because you got to learn a lot about a team in a short period of time that you haven't seen all season long. Give us uh, the, the scouting report on Virginia. What can we expect to see from them? Yeah, I've I've done a lot of quick homework here, and so it's always nice that the selection show for us is at four and not seven. Uh, makes for slightly you know of an earlier of a bedtime, but. Um, you know, and the interesting thing is, as a friend and as a fan, I've tried to watch Virginia as much as I can over the years, right? Because, oh, Joanne's on TV. Let me see if I can watch it. So I was sort of familiar with, with some of the players, but obviously really dug into what, what they try to do. Um, so they, they they play man-to-man defense about 88% of their time. I've checked the, the synergy stats and stuff. And uh, over the course of the year, 26% zone over the last eight games, 22% zone. So mostly a man-to-man team. And they're a very good defensive team. They have a six-nine center uh, who tries to rim protect, um, uh, and then they have uh, athletic um, wings and guards around her. And they do a nice job defensively, giving up only about sixty points a game. Um, they're young. They start a freshman point guard, three sophomores, and a and a senior. Um, they, they have a really good balance and a mix. You know, I think the leading score is at 11 points a game. Then there's two kids at nine and seven, seven. So there's not one big, you know, gun that you have to try and stop. But they're just a good, solid defensive team. Um, and then I think they do some nice things on the offensive end uh, to try to get their guards going downhill, um, to try to create off the dribble. Um, so I don't know where we have some advantages. Uh, uh, I do think we're a little bit deeper and maybe stronger in the post. Um, and at the same time, I think where we've gotten better over the last month is our guards and our post playing off of, off of each other a little bit. So if they're going to stay home on Christine and the big kids not going to leave Christine, well, then we'll set some screens and get our guards free for some, some loose, you know, some mid-range jumpers, or we'll move the ball and, and, and get to a wide-open three or, or attack the rim. So um, I think they're going to challenge us for sure on, on the defensive end and make us run good offense, um, and I think they're, they're going to you know, be very balanced and, and, and have a lot of options on the court. 
But I think the way we've been playing the last month feeds into that well, and we'll try to um, try to exploit them where we can. Obviously, Charlottesville is the home of the number one men's basketball team in the country. Tony Bennett, the Cavs, number one going into the NCAA tournament. He's known for his pack line defense. I mean, is Joe Andrews picking his brain a little bit defensively? Yes, it's really interesting that that you say that because when Joanne first took the job um, down there in Virginia, and she and I talked a lot about this at the time, they went to a lot of zone. Um, you know, she she brought in an assistant who was very comfortable with various zone presses and shifting zones, and then um, I want to say in the last two years, she started spending some time with with Tony Bennett and doing the pack line, and, and the six nine kid I think helps them do that. So as I'm watching, they're much much more pack line defense now, and they'll still throw in some of the, the, the zone um, looks at, at times, but um, uh, you know, I feel like defensively, they mimic more of an Oregon State in our conference, or a, um, like a Utah, who they, those teams play a little bit more pack lines. We've seen that, um, and uh, I don't think we're, we're unfamiliar, and it's going to take you know, our ability to, to use our, our, our perimeter and our post-play you know, to be able to get the shots that we want. Uh, but they are doing a little bit more of that pack line. And then you know, the other thing we've been really trying to emphasize, you know, over the last couple of weeks is things that are not easy to defend, transition offense and, and offensive rebounds. And, you know, if we can, the way we played that second half of UCLA against one of the most athletic teams in the country, and, and, and we won those categories, if we can bring that to the tournament, I think we can be, be hard to stop. Yeah, that'll be a great matchup, a lot of fun. Of course, Friday, 2 o'clock Pacific time on ESPN2, the Bears against Virginia in the Albany region. And you're going to play, you're going to play at a place, let's face it, it's going to have a heck of a lot of energy in, in the arena there. As uh, yep. South Carolina has led the country in attendance. Don Staley, the head coach, uh, you know, Hall of Famer. Uh, and so if you are able to get by Virginia and South Carolina is able to win, you would face South Carolina on their home gym in one of the more raucous atmospheres in women's college basketball. They've done a great job there. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, I don't know if yeah. a lot of coaches would be excited about that, but but I am. I mean, obviously we would. We have a really tough first round game, and I'm, I'm not letting our players talk about you know South Carolina at all. But you know, for this interview and a broader kind of perspective, um, I think it's great. I think that. Um, you know, what do they average? I'm sure they'll get 16,000, you know, for their mm-hmm. for their NCAA tournament game with a chance, you know, the second round with their chance to go to the Sweet 16. Um, you know, I think Dawn has built something great there. I think the the fans really embrace, um, you know, women's college basketball. And that's what we want to do as educators, right? We want to win championships here. We want to, you know, develop student-athletes. We want them to graduate. But part of that is putting them in situations to have life experiences, wherever that, that may be. So, you know, we're happy to be from the Bay. We like living in the Bay, but to go to a tournament and go to a different part of the country like Columbia, South Carolina, you know, and, and play in front of their fans, that's a great experience. So we're hoping we have that opportunity on the second game. Uh, we're hoping we have the opportunity to knock off, you know, the defending national champions. We're hoping we have the opportunity to play against the national player of the year, Asia Wilson. Like, those are all, that's what the NCAA tournament's about. But obviously we have to beat Virginia to be able to do that. Well, the Pac-12, once again, well-represented in the tournament. Six teams, seven last year, but for the fifth consecutive year, at least five teams in the Pac-12 in the NCAA tournament. And you kind of get the feeling this year, I mean, having watched, you know, Oregon, having watched you know, Stanford's resurgence here during conference playing down the stretch, UCLA, yourself, Arizona State, and Oregon State, which has been to a Final Four, that the Pac-12 has a chance to make some noise in this tournament. Yeah, well, I think the story is that we're we're here to stay as a league. Um, I, I I don't think it's a fluke anymore. You know, 
seven teams, six teams, five teams. You know, a couple years ago, our fifth place team, um, Washington, went to the Final Four. Last year, our sixth place team, Oregon, went to the Elite Eight. Um, so I think it just speaks to the depth, you know, of the conference and, and how good the, the, the basketball is. Um, you know, everyone winning their first round games last year, uh, Arizona State almost knocking off South Carolina in the second round and they won the national championship. So the league is really good. Um, I, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, I, I think anyone could get hot and make a deep run. You know, I think we could see a couple of teams in the Sweet 16. I think, you know, Oregon's draw is definitely, you know, winnable for them where they could they could make the final four as could UCLA as could one of the lower seeded teams and you know I never count out uh, Scott Ruick and, and an Oregon State team you know the, there's there's a lot of teams that could make noise and, and and mainly where I feel the strength of the league is that as we're heading you know to play a very good ACC team in Virginia we can we can lean on those experiences we've had in the league and said okay we've played you know multiple postseason teams so it, it, it's pretty neat to be a part of the Pac-12 and women's basketball right now. No question. Speaking of Pac-12 women, uh, recently announced that the Pac-10, the Pac-12 women's basketball tournament is going to go to Las Vegas in the future. So if people would like to take two weeks off of work uh-huh. and go down for the first week and watch the women, and the second week and watch the men, just your thoughts about moving to uh, Sin City for the tournament? Yeah, um, Seattle's been a great host um, for a couple years, but they're gonna they're gonna renovate Key Arena, and so we knew we had to go somewhere for a couple years. And um, you know, the conversation quickly shifted to Vegas uh, for a number of reasons. Vegas has been you know a very welcome host to conference tournaments over the last several years. I think they've really made a name for themselves in the, the WCC men's and women's. And then with Pac-12 men going there, I think it's been a great host. The other piece that's really interesting to it is Vegas just really really wanted and went out and got a WNBA team. So I think when you can partner high-level NCAA basketball with, with WNBA, uh, that brand, um, that can be really fun. I think it, it's, a, it's an easy place for all the fan bases to travel to. Um, it's, it's less expensive. Uh, people can get there. Um, and, and what we want are the women's basketball you know, fan bases to travel. We want Las Vegas Aces fans um, to come and come out. Um, and then I think some of the men's, you know, fans who can pair up watching their favorite women's team with their favorite men's team and either, you know, whatever, come for the long weekend between the two and see the end of one and the start of the other or make the full trip. I think there are some opportunities there. So it should be fun. Yeah, I mean, in between, you can go to the WCC tournament. So, I mean, you, you literally could probably wor- uh, watch about 11 straight days of basketball. So Totally. Or, that, that, you know, Todd, with how close it is, you could fly in, see a couple games, fly home, and fly That's back, true. and it's still maybe cheaper than a flight, you know, somewhere else um, that you would have had to go for the whole time. So I, I think there's a lot of ways to, you know, to to have fun with it, and um, I, I think it'll be there'll be a lot of excitement around around our tournament there. As we take this on Tuesday, I don't know if you had gotten the word that the Washington State made a coaching change today that the June Darty is is no longer the coach there that they changed their regime up there. Um, I don't know if you had heard that or not, but the, she has been around yep. this league for a long, long time, highly successful at Washington, and did probably as well as you can at Washington State for a long time. So uh, yeah. a little a little she tone of sadness, I know, for me, because she was always really cooperative from when I had to do some of her games. So uh, hopefully yeah, her she, help um, she will get better and she'll, she'll be fine. Yeah, she, she, text, she texted me. That's how I found out about it. And in very, you know, true June fashion, you know, she texted, hey, I wanted you to hear this before it comes out. And, you know, it's, yeah. it, 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 it's been an honor to coach in the Pac-12 and against you. And I, I, um, 
this is this is not a normal profession, right? These we we get to be really you know good friends with people that we coach against, and I and I know it's you know there's speculation around time people call it the coaches carousel, and I I understand what we do as public, but you try to remember that these are families, and you know it affects her staff and all that. And what I texted her back is she has been and will continue to be one of my coaching role models. I mean the way that that she treated our game, the way that that she treated other coaches and and me as a as a younger coach coming in with so much respect. Um, I think she overachieved at Washington State. I think she did a ton of great things at Washington. Um, they were very, very difficult to play. Um, and uh, I, I think she did a tremendous job. And I, and I hope she can, um, you know, Mike can go fishing and, and, and June can consult. And um, they're, they're, she's going to do a lot, of, a lot of great things after uh, basketball, that's for sure. Yeah, one of the few head coaches that actually coach uh, against and with arch rivals, I mean, Washington and Washington State. Obviously, yep. Sharman, with you, played at Stanford and is a a, a coach for California. So the, there aren't many. Now the other guy that I remember doing is Marv Harshman. He started at Washington state and then he finished at Washington. So it is very unusual in the yep. profession to get that opportunity and give you a different perspective on the rivalry to say the least. All right, Lindsay, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a lot to do before you guys leave. Uh, best of luck. And hopefully we get to talk to you next Monday after you've secured a bid in the sweet 16. Good luck this week. Okay. Thanks so much, Todd. All right, Lindsey Godley, women's basketball coaches. They head to Columbia, South Carolina for their first-round match against Virginia Friday at 2 o'clock Pacific time on ESPN2. All right, straight ahead on Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics for rugby coach Jack Clark and also men's Dave Durden as uh, Dave takes his charges back next week to Minneapolis for the NCAA championships trying to secure yet another crown for the Bears. All that continues on Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Joining us now, longtime rugby coach Jack Clark, whose team celebrated a couple of victories over the weekend against UCLA and Army, part of the homecoming festivities. But I want to start first and foremost, before we actually talk about what happened between the lines, uh, Robert Paler, young man, uh, with 10, nine, 10 months ago, suffered a very serious injury, uh, paralyzed uh, from the neck down. But he was able to come back this last weekend, Jack, Great reception for him, inspiring message that he has, vows to come back at some point in time uh, next year, maybe to be part of the uh, academic community and the rugby program as well. Just tell us what it meant for you, your mates, to see Robert come back on campus. Yeah, it was, um, it was really emotional, Todd. He's, a, um, he's such a remarkable young man and his family was back with him and they're, they're equally as remarkable how they've... Uh, you know, all pulled together and and helped support Robert in his rehabilitation, and he's he's done really well. I mean, he's he's getting to the point where, I mean, when he got to Craig Hospital in in Denver, he, um, you know, he couldn't couldn't move a finger. Now he's um, now he's he can stand up uh, on on a walker, and he's uh, he's kind of firing a lot of his muscles. And I mean, there's hope um, at some point. I know Robert holds hope that he he's going to walk at some point and and he'll, he'll be back on campus he's uh he's a newly admitted to the business school to Haas so we're very very excited for him and he'll he'll be back in the autumn yeah that'll be great to see him back here on campus and be a, a real part of the, this community uh as part of homecoming again homecoming means you got a lot of ex-players come back uh tell us what the environment was like uh how many people you were able to shake hands with and Tell and swap stories with? Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, you know, two games uh, uh, over the two days, so the, it, was a, it was a full weekend. And, 
We, uh, we invited everyone back that has ever uh, pulled that uh, blue and gold jumper over their, over their head. But we, uh, we celebrated the, uh, the 1983 championship and the 1988 championship and the 1993 championship and the 1998 championship and the 2008 championship and the 2013 sevens championship. So those are five-year increments, and all of those teams were, were on the field uh, being recognized at halftime. And then we had a, we had a great reception down at the, uh, uh, the, um, the, the hotel, Bancroft Hotel, right? And I, I would recommend that, that hotel for, uh, for your listeners. It was really a fantastic function in the great room and hundreds and hundreds of people. It was just it was really a special weekend. When we had a TV show, Cal Sports Report, I used to stay there, come down on Sunday nights, and I loved that place, so I would highly recommend it as well. Um, you mentioned just the five championships. I mean, Cal Rugby has 33, so I guess you get a chance to celebrate these things just about every year, whether it's three-year increments or five-year increments or whatever. Maybe it's just yearly with, uh, with the 15s and the 7s. Uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful um, environment. It's great to see everybody come back. Talk about the, the two games. UCLA, I mean, that's a tight one. For a half, and then you, you kind of score 55 straight and win that one pretty big. And then against Army on Sunday, this was terrific and, and a great match for people to watch because it kind of went back and forth. You jumped out, big lead. They come roaring back to take the lead, and then your team was able to finish it off. Just talk about the two matches and how that sets you up for this road trip coming up to Utah. Yeah, they were um, – we got a lot of guys on the field, so we um, we, we, we started 15 different – players in the in the second match against uh, West Point um, so when you get that many minutes on offer it's great great to spread them around it'll, it'll help us down the road develop some depth in the team um, yeah we weren't we weren't very tidy with the ball against UCLA we turned over too much possession and that that you know kept them kept them in the game but they also played some really good defense we we think they're a they're a really good team they're well coached and um and then West Point was what you expect from the United States uh, Military Academy. I mean, they're, they were, they were tough-minded, uh, they were physically tough, and they competed awfully hard, and both teams are fit. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty tough ourselves, and, and we, weren't, we weren't really given much of an inch, and they weren't either. And, and uh, so it, um, it was a very competitive game. I think it's a game that'll, that'll help us build our team as we go forward. Really proud of, of them. Um, West Point Army is coached by one of my former players, and you know that's that's gratifying to see him do so well. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a great weekend, and I and you know Pac Pac twelve network, and um, so those those were competitive games to show, and, and I think it, it really showcased our sport a little bit. Obviously, the success that Cal has had in rugby over the years decades, century, we're talking over 100 years, this has become the epicenter for collegiate rugby, and you've been a big part of that, Jack. How satisfying is it to see a number of your former players become head coaches? I know you never want to lose to a former player who's a head coach, and I'm sure it hasn't happened all that often, but how satisfying is it for you to see that happen? Yeah, it's it's, it's really gratifying to um, to see them making such a significant contribution both both to scholastic high school rugby as well as collegiate rugby and 
And then, of course, you know, Danny Barrett's tearing up the the sevens mm-hmm. circuit and, and as an Olympian and, and, and Blaine Scully, the captain of the 15s national team, is a full professional for the Cardiff Blues in, in Wales. And, yeah, I mean, whether, uh, whether they're staying in the game as players or whether they're um, contributing to the game now as, as coaches, it's, it's really gratifying. All right, let's talk about the future. you got Utah this week over in Salt Lake City, a good program, obviously, over there. We were down in Arizona this last weekend and uh, walked by a building named after Dave uh, Sitton, who was the yeah. longtime coach that passed away a couple of years ago. He was a broadcaster at a lot of Arizona yeah. TV events. Really good guy. Yeah. But, but you're starting to see more in that around the country. Talk about uh, the upcoming trip to Utah, and then as the season progresses, where you see this team now and where it needs to be. Yeah, things are going to slow down for a little bit from a competition standpoint. We we get a week off coming up, which is which is a planned week um, where we can just train without a competition on the weekend. So Utah this week, and then uh, Dartmouth comes in the, the following week, and, uh, and then we we have that week off, which is really um, is what we need. I mean, we've been playing a lot of rugby, and, and, and that takes us takes you off the training paddock. You know, we have to train, and we have to have hard training sessions where we can. Uh, we can target certain areas of our game for improvement, and we can create activities uh, around uh, that that objective. So um, I'm looking forward to the next you know month where we get to really you know really get to work in our training. Uh, not not looking past Utah. It's hard to play on the road, but it's a game that you know we hope to win. Um, Dartmouth has always been a really class team. The, they've been the perennial best team in the Ivies. So it'll be good to have them on campus. Um, but, again, it's a game that, that we should win. And, and then we, we head out to Moraga against St. Mary's, who has a very fine team this year. And then they, the 15s, and then you go back to the 7s for the National 7s Championship to kind of conclude the collegiate season. I also want to talk about, and this is really important to your, your program, and it's becoming more important to collegiate programs around the country, and that is uh, fundraising and the endowments. Uh, recently, uh, a number of uh, boosters stepped up and made major contributions to your rugby program. Uh, just tell us how important that is. And, I mean, is this, is this the future for uh, a lot of sports that they've got to go out and and raise money on their own because of uh, just the higher costs and just the way things are going overall in intercollegiate athletics? Uh, it, it might be. Um, I know that our donor base, our stakeholders, take a lot of pride in, in paying our way. Um, they, you know, they, there's a lot of um, academic scholarship in the team. There's a lot of uh, professional success in our stakeholder group. And they're prideful, and um, I think they like the idea that they can pay all of the team's budget, and we we make a contribution to two other women's teams above and beyond our budget. So to completely pay our way, and then to at the same time build for the future, make sure that we we have our endowments at a place uh, where they can themselves provide uh, sustainability for the team. So really, really proud uh, of this long-standing um, philanthropy, you know, where Witter Rugby Field was built and the Doc Hudson Field was built. These, those, were, those, those uh, projects were, were funded by rugby donations. And, and then, of course, rugby has made a lot of donations to the High Performance Center where, where our locker rooms are. And then, and then just to build out all of our endowments. So the latest endowments, it's just so gratifying to, to see, 
you know, such renowned names. And, and they're also builders of Berkeley and trustees, and they're, they're major contributors to the university itself. And, and then, of course, they're, they're the people that we're most proud of that, 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 that pay it forward and give so generously back to the rugby program. Yeah, no question. The, the list of the most recent uh, donors is incredibly Im- impressive, and we appreciate all their support. The other thing I want to talk about, Jack, and you were one of these guys in, an, in your day, uh, two sport athletes, okay? You were football, rugby. Mm-hmm. And in the past, uh, you saw a lot more of those. Uh, you have a former football player, Tonga Lava, is on your program right now. Uh, he was a linebacker for the Bears in football. Don't see that quite as much as we used to. Is that, is that again, the sign of the times that people have to be or are demanded to be um, so uh, one-focused? Uh, in other words, they've got to focus on one sport to be successful because everybody else is doing just one sport. Uh, how did that change? Why did it change, do you think? And uh, where do you see it going from here? Yeah, I mean, it. it, it uh Think of if you just think about the recent history. I mean, Tony Gonzalez comes to mind yeah. as being, you know, one of the last real significant, you know, two sport lettermen. And yeah, it's kind of a shame, really, the the specialization uh, that's happened. I mean, it's, I think it's happening to young young boys and girls uh, at too early of an age. And um, I think even when you get to um, collegiate uh, uh, sport, I mean, if you're good enough to be a varsity letter winner in two sports, um, I mean, I, I think you're better off to pursue that. Now, I, I can understand where, you know, some players, I mean, the, the amount of money that's in professional sports right now, it's, it's generational wealth, isn't it? And, and you're, you're, you're crazy not to take care of your kids' kids uh, by, by, um, by, by focusing on that. But you know, for most, that's not going to be the story, right? So um, I think having as many experiences you can two different teams two different cultures two different sports um i really i really think so many people are missing out on that so i'm happy to i'm happy to have isaiah on the team he's really a he's a beautiful boy and and we have justin dunn as well and that's a pretty familiar name around here yeah family yeah that's right and 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 he's he's really coming on now you know he's he's starting to make a real bid to um you know, to be the starter at his position, both of those guys are. So, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I I I, I wish I wish we had more, and it, it might be with, um, uh, you know, Justin Wilcox. This is going to be a possibility. I mean, you know, he's a he's a very level-headed guy, right? And and you need somebody with with some perspective, you know, to to probably even allow it to happen. He was a dual sport athlete at Junction City High School in Oregon. He was a bas- good basketball player, but it was pretty obvious he was going to be a better football player. He had pretty good genes to work with, too. His dad was a, yeah. well, he is a Hall of Famer, that's for sure. And there have been a couple in track and field here over the years, but it just it, you just don't see it as much as you used to. And it's, I think I agree with you. It's a little sad that that's not the case. All right, uh, Jack, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. It's always great to talk to you. Continued success. And uh, good luck in your future endeavors. Great, Todd. Thank you very much. All right, Jack Clark, highly successful rugby coach here at California as the Bears seek a couple of more national championships coming up here in the spring with the 15s and the 7s. When we come back, speaking of national championships, Dave Durden going for another one next week in Minneapolis with the men's swimming and diving team. We'll talk to Dave as we continue on Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Joining us now in his 11th campaign with the Cal Bears as the head men's, and w- men's uh, swimming and diving program is Dave Durden. Uh, the Bears getting ready for the NCAA championships next week, this last week. 
snatched the fifth Pac-12 championship in uh, Cal history. Uh, you've got a couple of those. You snapped Stanford's 31-year winning streak a couple of years ago. Now you got one this year as well. Uh, just give us a little rundown of how the guys performed uh, in the Pac-12 championships. Yeah, I mean, it really started out for us with the diving side of things. Uh, Derek Starks has done a great job in developing that piece of our program. We sent four divers up there the week before we started, and uh, and they came back and did a phenomenal job for us on the boards. Really inspired us uh, to you know to swim well in the water because we were in a we were in a position where. Uh, where we haven't been before after after the diving piece of the championship. So as things got underway on the swimming side of things, um, we just we just knew how our team um, had positioned itself throughout the year, our relays, our individual swims, that uh, that we were going to put ourselves in, in in good spots better than than the other uh, teams in the Pac-12s uh, to to come home with the championship, and and we just stayed our course through that. We're really trying to manage some swims there too. So not uh, our horses that are getting ready to go here at NC2As. We tried to back the pedal off uh, off of them a little bit at the uh, championships, just so they came away from it a little bit fresher, a little a little more ready to go. And uh, and I think we were able to accomplish that uh, as well over the course of uh, our four days uh, up in Federal Way. Four relay championships, seven individual championships. Obviously, tremendous performance. You had the swimmer, the meet, uh, as well as uh, he, he doubled up on what he did a year ago. Yeah, Andrew, uh, just his three individual events, uh, the the IMs, and then we switched him over away from a two hundred fly because we have some really good two hundred flyers uh, into a two hundred breaststroke event, and and sure enough, he went out and won that. Uh, but probably the most impressive swim from Andrew was leading off the meet leading off our 800 free relay, uh, you know, going 131 uh, for in a, in a 200 freestyle, and then coming back at the end of the meet and, and going, you know, as fast as he did in the 200 breaststroke. I mean, he just has tremendous versatility, uh, and it's fun to watch. It's, it's been fun to, to, to have him move through this year, um, and, and we're really looking forward uh, to, to putting a great supporting cast around him uh, as, we, as we get into NC2As. Do you know at this point in time how many of your swimmers go to the NCAAs? We have a, we're taking a full squad, so uh, the NC2A limit is 18 athletes. Uh, we're taking 17 swimmers and two divers. Now I know simple math, everyone knows that that's 19. But uh, with divers, just because they can only compete in three individual events, uh, are counted as a, as a half in those numbers. So with 17 swimmers, two divers, that gets us to our 18 squad limit. And um, and, and, I'm, and I'm looking forward to this group. Uh, I mean, I, we, we still have got a lot left in the tank. Uh, some of our younger guys that were working through the Pac-12 championships, uh, you, you know, struggled a little bit with um, with how it felt uh, comparative to, you know, where they have been in the past. And, and knowing that uh, they're working off of not a whole lot of rest going into that meet, they're having to swim fast, swim with a little bit of emotion. So things aren't going to feel great for them. But I, I look at our team and in a very broad brush uh, sort of look at our team. Our, our guys got better as we moved through the meet. And that's always a good sign for a coach as, as you begin a rest phase, a taper phase, that, that we're moving better as we go through the, the three and a half days of a championship. And I think that, set, set, that really had set, up, set us up well for last week as we came off the championship and this week as we prepare to go into the NC2A championship. I think it's uh, something like seven of the last eight or maybe it's eight of the last nine have uh, really basically come down to you in Texas. Uh, they've won three in a row. 
they're on a little bit of a roll. How do you, uh, you know, dope this thing out as you head into the uh, the championships? Yeah, it's going to be a tight battle again. Um, you, you know, I, I think you know Texas has had uh, has had you know, sustained uh, historic success. They have a great uh, coach in Eddie Reese that's been there for. 30-plus years and has done a phenomenal job with their program. And then uh, Matt Scoggins on the diving side has done a great job in developing their diving program. Um, and, and as we as we as we look at uh, kind of their team versus our team, so to speak, uh, I think you know things even out a little bit more uh, this year as opposed to years past. And a lot of our depth is coming in our in the on the younger side of our team uh, in our you know freshmen, sophomore, juniors. Uh, where I look at, at Texas and, and most of their depth is coming with their with their older guys, their juniors and seniors. So it, it's going to be um, that's going to be an interesting dynamic uh, to to see how how that plays out over the course of uh, three and a half days. And and um, y- you know I, I I do think there's there's maybe you know overall in terms of point total there may be a little edge for us. They may have an edge uh, in the diving side of things. So it's gonna it's gonna come down to um, uh, to to a close. To a close battle over three and a half days, and and you know I don't I certainly don't want to sleep on, uh, you know the other teams that um, <laughs> that are that have swum really well have won their conference championships in an Indiana in the Big Ten, uh, NC State in the ACC, and Florida in the SEC. It's uh, it, you know with with us and Texas winning our respective conference championships, I think you're looking at five teams that that come from you know the Power Five conferences that are going into this meet and going to swim really well. So that's exciting to see. You know that, the, that you don't have someone kind of off in the wings that, that's going to come out of nowhere, not having gone through their conference championships. So uh, I, I think it'll be uh, our, our, our guys, uh, even though they have enjoyed uh, uh, competing for a national title. I, I think there's also a little bit of uh, um, just kind of that sweet disgust of finishing second uh, <laughs> year after year, and so. You know, if we take that sweet disgust into um, uh, into NC two A's this next week and, and and race with that in mind, I think it'll put us in a good position to hopefully come home with a national title. Do you have any red shirts that actually participated? You know, four years ago when you won the championship, you still have any of those guys around? Is it complete? None of these guys have won one. None of these guys have, have won an NC two A title. Mm-hmm. They've they've finished second uh, three times, and so they 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 have that feeling. Uh, in fact, uh, this was their first championship that they won a, as a, as a group for the last three Pac-12 championships, uh, with uh, you know maybe some some illness, injury, or or just some some redirection of of some of our top swimmers uh, to a long course meet in 2016. Uh, you know we we didn't win in 15, 16, or 17, and so to to come away with a team championship, I think that was important for our guys, especially as we go into another team meet, uh, learning how to do that. Uh, you know, learning how to how to go session to session, I think, was really important. And and again, the great thing about our Pac-12 championship is we did it with the right level of emotion. And, and we've got another we've got another little notch to get to there. And uh, and I think we'll ramp that up as we get out to Minnesota next week. It's always a great meet. Uh, certainly one of the highlights of the year. Uh, since you've been here, I think the first two years you you were fourth in the NCAA, if I remember correctly. But since then, it's either been like first or second. What has it taken? to get this program 
to sustained excellence. It's difficult to get to the top of the mountain, but to stay at the top of the mountain can be just as challenging as well. Yeah, that that is actually, it's actually harder <laughs> to stay there. I mean, it is fun. There's some newness uh, when you have a group, uh, especially in my first couple of years where, where we had you know, some, some kind of some, some sparkle in the guy's eyes where they could really see what they could do in that first year as a team and, and then taking it into to year two, year three, and then finally winning in year four. Uh, I mean, those, those guys were freshmen when I first got here and they just, they, they each step of the way, it was fun. It was exciting. It was new. And they, and they just had that genuine, Hey, we can do this. We're one step closer. We're one step closer. And then once you get there, and you're not one step closer anymore, it's uh, you know the, the difficulty of of maintaining that success, uh, both both uh, in in terms of motivating of, of athletes, but but also you know motivating yourself as a coach and motivating staff. You just have to you have to flip the cube around a little bit and look at the sport in a different way. And so um, you, you know even though. Even though we've we've you know finished second these last you know these last three years, I I do look at, at those three years in, in, in each and in its own unique way, and I feel like this team, we're taking our collective best into this meet, and that's what's exciting and what's fun. We don't feel like uh, we're 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 leaving an athlete at home because of injury or illness, uh, but we're you know we're we started off this year with 32 athletes on our swimming roster and four divers on our diving roster, and we're finishing this year with 32 athletes on our swimming roster and four divers on our diving roster. And and that um, you know that just means that we've you know that we've that we've kept you know pointed in the right direction, and so it's exciting to see what this group can do when we're all together. Now, knock on wood, we've got another week. We've got to stay healthy and and we've got to stay directed towards that. But uh, it's been fun to have that this year where. You know, for different reasons in different years, we really haven't had that over the last three years. Whether it's been an Olympic focus, or whether it's been just you know just illness that that has struck us this time of year. Uh, you know, with our guys heading into NC two A's, uh, you know, this is one that w- that we've just kind of you know moved forward with being healthy, being injury free. Again, knock on wood, we've still got a little bit of time before we start racing, but but it's been fun to it's going to be fun to see what we can do when we're all there together as a group as one. All right, uh, without giving away any trade secrets or uh, revealing who's going to swim in what events or how many events, I mean, what does this thing come down to in your mind uh, as you go to the championships next week? Yeah, it, it's going to it's come down to the collective. Um, you, you know, I, I think we match up well, um, you know, with a Texas or a Florida or an NC State or an Indiana in terms of the number of stars that we have, the mm-hmm. star power, the guys that can go in and give you, you know, multiple A finals and multiple events. Uh, it's going to come down to, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's, it's not necessarily in terms of tiers, but guys that are not expected to score an A final, finding a way to get seventh or eighth. Uh, you know, guys, you know, projected out not to score, moving up a couple of spots to get into scoring position. It's really going to come down to how we take care of ourselves over the course of three and a half days. Because as, as I look at our team, some of our best swimming is on the latter half of uh, latter half of the meet. I mean, we we have some guys that really move into their primary events on the full second day, on the full third day of the meet, and and that's going to be really important how we take care of ourselves. That we're swimming our best from day one to day four, from the from that first relay to our to our last prelim session on the Saturday. So 
um, that's that to me is is what it, it what it comes down to. It's not going to be one in, in the first couple of days. It's going to be one in the last two, and uh, as long as we keep our focus about us, and we experience that at at, at a Pac-12 meet. Uh, where you know we we weren't leading after the first relay session, the the first full day of swimming, we we were still maybe just having a, a little bit of a lead, and then the last two days, we we really tore it open. So um, a, a little bit, as long as our guys stay with that, um, stay with that mindset, I, I think we're going to be in good shape heading into the championships. All right. Well, good luck there. Uh, when you get done with this, we hope you can visit us up in wine country here and enjoy that experience. I get a little time off. And this is, I think, the 20th uh, anniversary of your graduation from UC Irvine as well. You guys have a reunion plan. You're going to go back, uh, get the anteaters together and, and have some fun. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, that's good homework for you there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, one of my one of my college roommates uh, living in Wisconsin is coming out to the meet in Minnesota, so we'll have a little bit of a reunion there. Uh, you know, and, and the great thing about uh, USA Swimming, our, our CEO of USA Swimming is an anteater, former okay. swimmer at UC Irvine, and Tim Hinchy. And so every time I get to talk to Tim, we we, we typically end our conversation with go eaters. Uh, so you know, there's there's some anteaters and in, in some very strategic positions within the world of swimming, uh, which is really cool to have. Uh, where you know, Tim and I joke that. Uh, you know, the, the eaters are taking over the world of swimming, like one eater at, at a time. So, uh, no, I, 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 uh, I hope that I can get up to the wine country after this because I'm going to need to just rest and relax because this one's going to be a nail-biter. It's going to be close. It's going to age me. So uh, I'm going to need a little downtime after this one. Well, we know all about aging in the wine business, so uh, hopefully it won't age you too much. Hey, Dave, appreciate you stopping by, taking the time, and uh, good luck next week. Uh, thank you very much. Dave Durden. Men's swimming and diving team as they seek the NCAA championships next week back in Minnesota. All right, that wraps it up for this week. We appreciate everybody listening. It's been a good week uh, talking to Jack Clark and Dave Durden. That's always a good week. And, of course, good luck to the women's basketball team, the NCAA tournament. Lindsey Gottlieb and his charges uh, as they uh, go back-to-back tournaments and hopefully go a little deeper this year. All right, that does it for Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. I'm Todd McKim. We'll talk to you next week. Go Bears! This has been Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics, with your host, Todd McKim. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.